Hey guys, a few things before I get started, as most of my friends and family can let you know. My emotion usually comes through my voice, as in me saying I'm happy or I'm sad or I'm excited. So I apologize for the monotone speaking. The other thing is I'm sorry if I get long-winded. There's something in my family called a twilly story. And that's basically a story that just kind of keeps going. Megan always points those out when I get going, so sorry. All right, now some of you have heard part of my story. I'm going to kind of back up just a little bit to kind of give you a little bit uh, insight to me. I won't get into too much detail, though. Okay, so it was November 30th, 1987. My mother and father, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I grew up in church pretty much as far back as I can remember. I was, you know, I was there for the early service Sunday morning. I was there for the Sunday school before the late service where we would skip out to go ahead and get lunch. We were there during the week. My parents were involved in just about everything, so I was quite aware of where all the good toys were in the nursery. McGee and me, I, you, yeah, I always looked forward to those. It seemed like I was pretty much always at church. And as I got older, my parents were youth leaders, so uh, Sunday afternoons I would be in the nursery until my sister got old enough to be in youth group. And then uh, my good friend and I, we were able to slide in, even though we were a few years too young. So, I mean, just growing up in church, you know, you learn all the Bible stories. You learn, you know, all the Christmas stories, all the Old Testament, David and Goliath, uh, Daniel and the lion's den, all these stories. You know, it's just tons of stories. But for me, it didn't really mean anything. Um, I just didn't really understand the point of it all. And then when I was 13, I remember I was playing drums with the worship team. Each Sunday, you know, we would have worship and then prayer time and then this and that, you know, it was that scheduled thing. And I, after playing, I went back to my seat. It was time for prayer time, like always. And just for some reason, I got up, went to the altar, and there's no special altar call or nothing really going on. But I remember kneeling down and just saying, God, I don't really know what this means, but uh, I give you my heart. And, like, that was the turning point for me. The heavens didn't open up. The angels didn't start in a choir singing. And God didn't come down and put his hand on my back. It was just me walking up there, saying that a little bit, and going back to my seat. The thing that changed was I went home, and I started actually opening up the Bible for myself. Up to that point, I really just had people reading it to me. So I actually started digging in and reading and trying to figure out what everything was all about. I remember opening up to the table of contents, looking through the uh, page numbers, seeing which one was the shortest chapter, found Third John, and like kind of worked backwards. <laughs> so after a couple years, you know, I started, you know, asking questions. I started actually looking for answers. I started reading the Bible. Just started to change little by little. And through my teen years, that really set a foundation of my faith. I learned who God was. I learned who Jesus was and why I needed him. You know, I learned all these things that I had missed for the 
the first 13 years of my life and really kind of understood, okay, God, you are God. I know what you're capable of. You're capable of everything. Nothing's impossible for you. All these things that I just, I just learned and I experienced and I saw and I was able to believe them for myself. Later into my teen years, I met my wife, Megan. We were friends and we got married in uh, 2008. We kind of figured out what we were doing. We got a house. We settled down. We decided we were either going to get a dog or have a baby. So Megan got pregnant around that time. So everything was going good. But underlying through all this, all the good, everything going well, I just knew something was, wasn't right inside my body with my health. I went to the doctor a few times with different issues, headaches, tiredness. I, for a while, I just seemed like I was always sick, you know, all these different things. And the doctor would just simply say, oh, well, this is that, and this is because of this. And just like, okay, whatever, I, I must be fine. It's all in my head. I had a lump in my stomach that slowly started to fill my abdomen. My family swore it was nothing. I'm like, I'm getting a gut. I'm seriously getting a gut, guys. And they're like, no, you're all right. So, I mean, like, all these things, like, I knew something was wrong. And when, when something's wrong with you, you know. It doesn't matter what people say. What you say is okay with you. You know something's wrong. So, finally, um, at this point, Megan's pregnant. I've written off all these health issues. And I wake up one Friday morning to get ready for work. And it almost seemed like I had been spun in a office chair. You know, like, when you get bored, you just kind of spin around. So, like, I wake up, and I kind of stumble into the bathroom, you know, brush my teeth, get ready. By that time, it was back to normal. I went on with my day. Uh, the next morning, I woke up still feeling dizzy. This isn't, this, <laughs> this is it. Well, I'll see what happens. So I go on. By the time I get breakfast and get going, it was back to normal. I'm doing good. Then Sunday morning, things got real fun. Woke up early to go surfing before church. Stumbling all through the house, bumping into walls. Can't hardly walk straight. I'm like, it's okay. I know how this goes. In a little bit, I'll be all right. So I drive to Ocean City with the road and everything kind of spinning in front of me go surfing for a little while, falling off my board for no reason, having a good old time, make it back to church and go on about my day, still just like that feeling like somebody is spinning me in a chair. So I um, talked with Megan. We had a little discussion, see what's going on, and uh, we diagnosed me with vertigo. <laughs> Always good to do, WebMD, all that good stuff. So we're like, okay, if in the morning I'm still feeling like this, I'll call the doctor. So around like 2 or 3 in the morning, middle of the night, I wake up. I'm throwing up. I'm dizzy. The only way I can really focus is if I'm like sitting in this particular chair perfectly still. And even then, if I move my eyes just right, I'm just, it was a mess. By the time the sun came up, my mom had come over to kind of help. And I'm hugging the toilet, can't walk. So I get an ambulance ride to the ER. While I'm in the ER, all my family's there. Pretty much everybody was there and knew about it. Everyone kind of cleared the room as we were waiting for tests to come through. They had actually started me on meds for vertigo and 
all that good stuff. The doctor comes in, and just my mom and I are in the room, and he says, well, it looks like you've got cancer. You've got leukemia. <laughs> At that point, I knew that leukemia is cancer, and cancer usually led to death. And so I, I shed a few tears. My quick thoughts came around to, there's nothing I can do about this, so I'm going to sit back and see what God does. Later that night, I got up to Johns Hopkins, and uh, with the particular leukemia, there are three stages, and I was in the uh, third and final stage during my 10 days at Hopkins. I basically remember the last few days. Well, I remember my family was worried. Megan filled me in on kind of what was going on later with just all the different things as I was on, like, chemo and different medications, all that good stuff. In the midst of all this, Megan's four months pregnant. I'm wondering if I'm going to see my baby. We feel, uh, feel our child move for the first time. And that's when we knew that uh, God was showing us that uh, he gives life in the midst of death. And that's how life got his name. Our son that's now two and a half years old. After 10 days at Hopkins, everything got under control. Sent me on home. And I got to, uh, basically they said, okay, here's this pill that you're going to take every morning. Uh, The only real cure for the leukemia is a bone marrow biopsy, but it's so risky. They basically try everything else first. My thought at that point was, all right, I'll take this medicine until God heals me, because I know God can heal me, and I'm still waiting for that. So for the past three years, I've been dealing with the different medications, with the different side effects, trying to figure out the right one for me. There have been two occasions where I've had doctors say something along the lines of, I'm surprised you're alive, or that I was close to death, things like that. And through it all, I don't know why God hasn't healed me yet, but I know that he can, and I'm just holding on to that, waiting. But in the meantime, I've had a lot of chances to share my story with people and to show them that God is good in the midst of all of it. I've seen my son growing up, and now I've got a daughter on the way. And now here we are at Christmas time. What God's been showing me lately is, you know, this isn't just that eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus in the manger with his baby Einstein. But, I mean, this this is our cure This is Jesus Christ. Um, Because the thing is, just like I didn't know I had cancer in me until I got to that that crucial point, all of us are born with a cancer. We've got this cancer in us that we're born with that there is no cure for on our own power. And that's sin. We're all born into a sinful world. Romans 6, 23 
says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. In Luke, Jesus says there's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Like on our own power, we can't, we can't overcome this world. But the awesome thing about Christmas is Jesus is born. He's come. He's conquered death. And he's here so that we can, we can repent. We can turn from our old lifestyle and we can follow him. And the thing is, it doesn't matter. Cancer doesn't matter. Your, your financial situation doesn't matter. Uh, whatever it is that you're going through, your bad grades in school, the stress of finals, all that stuff, it doesn't matter. What matters is we've got a, we've got a king and a savior who has come and, and this Jesus Christ, he, he's made a way for us to overcome the world. And what happens in this world doesn't matter because we have eternal life. No matter how long or short it is here on earth, we've got that eternal life that we get to hold on to. So this Christmas season, I encourage you to, you know, hold on to that truth. Share that truth with people. Maybe you need to examine your own heart and see what... uh what you've been holding on to that you just need to let go and and trust Jesus with.